White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 782. Hey, this is Stan White, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. Life on the road is tough. How does Auburn respond? The AU Wishbone is next. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis. I'm not even hungry and I can taste it. The Auburn Tigers, for the first time ever, are going to the Final Four. From the palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois, slightly warmer Southern Illinois, and Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. We've we've thawed out a little bit. That's the most exciting thing. I haven't had to bundle up like I'm on Ice Station. Da 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 da. Ice Station Zebra lately, like I was for a couple of weeks there. Um, but I've been kind of sad about the basketball, and we need to talk. We need a little basketball therapy here. We do. Pull up your chair. We're going to get into the it. couch. Let's let's talk about it. We're going to get into it. Oh, uh, uh, I am your host. I almost forgot to say, Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined as always by my co-host. That's you. I'm John Ringer. So, John, the first thing we always have to do, and this is going to be kind of a, I don't know how this is going to go over. Yeah, it's the Auburn Fun Meter. It's our weekly look at how much fun it is to be an Auburn fan. And, of course, it's always fun to be an Auburn fan. The question is how much relative to other weeks. Ah, what do you think? We had a lot of bad things kind of hit us in a row there the last few days. We did, but I, but, but, I mean, they were, none of them were good, but there's a, you know, none of them were the end of civilization either. No. Like five. Yeah, five. Well, let's see. We lost two basketball games to two to a rival and a semi-rival, more or less. We lost uh, our big recruit we were trying to get to our biggest rival. And we lost our beloved assistant coach and recruiting guy. Or I don't know if he was an assistant coach, but he was like a – he was he, in he the – He was acting in that role while they were yes. still, still filling positions. So. He was, yeah. And we all we, – we loved him. Uh, in fact, I don't know if people remember, Trevon Reed was a five-star wide receiver recruit when we recruited uh, him. <laughs> we were – uh, yes, I was very excited about him when we got him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, some people might be surprised at my fun meter ranking, Van, but I, you know we lost games, but we're also in the middle of basketball season, and I'm still pretty excited about this. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit here in a minute, about kind of perspective. How do you look at it? Because there's obviously some people, the sky's falling, they're running around setting their hair on fire. And you know, and some people are like, if you're not concerned, then you're a sunshine pumper, whatever, whatever. I, know, I hate that stupid <laughs> term. So we'll we'll talk about it. We'll get into it a little bit. Oh, I'm at probably a five two, I guess, maybe a four and a half, something like that, something along those lines. I mean, I can't be too excited, but there's there are some things that have happened that are good, and and the Cam Coleman thing is pretty cool. You just sent me a little earlier on Twitter. We'll t- I assume it's in our show notes. I didn't get that far down, but we'll talk about it in a few minutes. But first, you made the interesting distinction of dividing basketball from big-picture basketball. So let's look yeah, at big-picture basketball. 
we'll wait and talk about the game specifically in a minute, but I wanted to talk. We had these two big losses, and we do this sometimes during basketball season and definitely yeah. during football season. But after two big losses on the road, uh, I want to talk about, like, how do we feel? How, how, did, how did you feel immediately after those games? And then how should we feel, like, what makes sense? So how did you feel, like, Tuesday night, Wednesday night after the Alabama game? I was really just disappointed in the sense that we were in the game. We came back in the second half. Yes. yes. We made a good run at them. And they were so obnoxious. Their fans were horrible. Their coach is horrible. Their players are horrible, trying to stomp on uh, Broom's hand and everything. Everything about them is horrible. And I just wanted to beat them so badly. And to see them win I, I well first I wanted them to pay their electric bill which would be nice <laughs> and then I wanted them to lose and so it was just a very frustrating and disappointing experience and then to kind of roll that over after the Mississippi State loss it was really just kind of like it's like the coyote getting hit by the truck and then he gets back up and the birds are going around his head and is spinning and then the anvil lands on him mm-hmm you know, you know he's the coyote. You know he's going to get back up eventually and be scheming again, doing his thing. But at the moment, he's gotten run over by a truck and hit in the head with an anvil. It sucks, and that's how I felt. How'd you feel? I think that's fair. I was okay. very, I was upset, angry. You know, it, it the same way as you. Like I didn't like losing that game to Alabama, and I was, you know, especially because of who they were and how they acted and the throwing the ball at our guys and stomping mm-hmm. them and stuff. Like I was mad about that stuff and I wanted to win. And so like I had, a, it took me a long time to get to sleep after that. I'm going to say that I had to read a book for a long time to get to a place where I could, uh, get fall asleep. But, um, you know, I, but it's, uh, this is the other part. Like, as you said, they were up big. We came back. We outplayed them in the second half. Yeah. I feel like we kind of got the measure of them. And in their building, it took everything they had to hold us off at the end of the game. And they got kind of lucky doing it. And then Mississippi State, I, you know, we'll talk about this. They're they're really good. They're better than I said they were on the podcast last week. And we had chances to win that game, and we didn't. And it was frustrating. But, you know, um, I think they're pretty good. And... I also think, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it as a perspective about Auburn, but also about college basketball as a whole. That I don't think the world is falling. So, what's what do you? Yeah, think? yeah, yeah. I I think that if there were, I think that if some other teams had played Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, the records would be very different. Because if you go and look at the SEC standings right now. Like everybody's four and three, three and four, except for we're five and two, Alabama's six and one, Tennessee's five and one. I don't know why they they missed a game somewhere, and everybody else is just kind of in a mush in the middle, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to even out over the course of the season and over us playing at home more. I wanted to mention though, because you mentioned about trying to go to sleep and get over it and everything. I have Van's ironclad basketball fandom rule, okay? All right, give it to us. Now, you understand that with football, I make a conscious effort, and it's a struggle sometimes to kind of put a loss behind me. And, you know, we've talked about it. Sometimes it takes us a day or two to kind of get to the mindset where that's what – how many times have we said we record on Monday night? It's a good say, thing. It's a good thing we did not record the podcast right after the Alabama game. Right, right, exactly. No, that's absolutely true. But 
with basketball because I love it so much and I don't want to be upset. I don't I don't want basketball to be contributing to me not enjoying my life. Okay. Football Amen. does football does that enough. Basketball's the happy place. So for me, either basketball makes me happy or I'm oblivious to it. I'll, I can be analytical about it right now with you or on Twitter, or if somebody stops me in the hallway, like my buddy that went to Kentucky. But just in terms of my daily life, I'm not worrying about it at all because my ironclad Auburn fan, basketball fandom rule is within one minute after the game being over, I have put it behind me and moved on and not thinking about it again. And the hardest I've had at that was after Alabama and Mississippi State, obviously. Um, and I just said, no, I'm not going to do it. I just put it out of my mind. I'm like, I'm not going to. This is not going to have a negative detrimental effect on my quality of life. I'm too old now. I just don't have any intention of doing that. The other thing, I think that's a great perspective, Van. And the other thing about that perspective is you and I have witnessed a lot of bad Auburn basketball. And so we are in the glory days. Absolutely. It's all all gravy. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's part of me that wants to see us get back to the Final Four before I die. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But I will remind you, I didn't think we would ever come close to getting there the first time before I died. Amen. And and I to, and I've also said this on this show before, of all the of all the teams in all the sports I enjoy, if you had asked me 12 years ago, which is the least likely to win the championship in its sport, Auburn basketball would have been the one I would have said was least likely. I would have thought the United States men would win the World Cup before Auburn basketball got to the Final Four. I would have thought that um, Auburn football would win another national championship before we got to the Final Four. I would have thought, you know, anything before that. So the fact that we did, like you said, it's all gravy now. We, I, it, I'm still mad that we were robbed of the chance of actually winning the national championship with a team that could have and should have. But, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I just don't let it, I just don't, I just close the door and move on because it's no, no fun. The other thing about that perspective in basketball is this, there are a lot of basketballs. Yeah. It's almost baseball in that way. Yeah. It's twice a week. And in, so some of it is, you know, you have a game and then you turn around and you're looking ahead to the next game. Mm-hmm. So that helps, I think, kind of let it go because you you can't let it get you down and then be a cumulative thing for sure because that, that's that's really bad. So I think yeah. you have to get it behind you and go, hey, we got another game. I got to get ready for that. Now, you had a good breakdown here about our three-point shooting because I, I thought absolutely our three-point shooting problems in those two games were a, were one of – the major factors. We just couldn't throw it in the ocean for great long stretches. And and by the way, I thought it was funny that somebody tweeted at Coach Pearl or something and said, you should bench Janiah Broom every time he shoots a three. And somebody replied back and said he was the only person that made one against Alabama in the first half. I just, uh, yeah. I mean, to say, if you were – if you your response to these two games is telling Bruce Pearl what to do yes. or having less faith in Bruce Pearl, then you <laughs> need to just step away for a while, okay, <laughs> and go do something else. Because I'm still at, 
you know, we don't do lifetime contracts at Auburn, but I'm still with Bruce Pearl lifetime contract. Oh, yeah. We put that on the back of the book. The man with a lifetime it. contract. I mean, I, so, like, I don't, you know, if you think Aiden shouldn't play or, or Broom shouldn't shoot three-pointers or whatever, like, you know, I think this, Bruce Pearl knows what he's doing. With Auburn basketball or Bruce Pearl, that would questioning him, you know, about all that, that's like if you're Frodo – and Sam just carried you up the top of Mount Doom to throw the ring in, carried you back down, loaded you on an eagle, and brought you back home after def- after helping defeat Gollum. And you get back home and you say, Sam, I'm, I'm thinking about making a change at Gardner. <laughs> well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have one thing that I'm allowed to fuss at Bruce Pearl about. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. And it is... And Jerry Hinnon called him out on Twitter, so this it's, isn't just me. It's not the political tweets, is it? Because, dang, no, Bruce, no. please, In please, the Alabama please. game, we played our 11th man, and we had him guarding their all-SEC scoring machine, yeah. and he got abused in that game. Did, and it yeah. was like, it was dumb. It was in t- it was one yeah. of the worst things that Bruce has ever done on a basketball court in terms of coaching the game. It was... Alabama was salivating, waiting for him to get in the game. They matched him up on Sears every time, and it was an automatic score. Five in a row within about five seconds, I remember. A three Mm -hmm. and then a two. Would that be Mary Sue that I mentioned last time? Yes, that's right. Yeah, well, I I know. I think lessons can be learned all around, right? That's right, and I— he ain't dropping no eaves, Mr. He ain't dropping no eaves, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> we gotta have we got to make a change at Gardner, Sam. I'm sorry, I'm proud of that one. Um so yeah, your numbers at Auburn at home, Auburn shooting 47% overall, 56.7 from two point, 32.6 from three point shots. On the road, 49% overall, 54 from two and 23. That's I'm not sure the numbers add up, John, but it just—I know we weren't shooting well from three-point range. That's the thing. I know that the, I know that we're not shooting well from three-point range. No, and in the last two games, I think we like people were fussing about the three-point shooting, and we could have that conversation. But I think we shot like thirty percent from two-point. Yeah, range. that doesn't. So it help. didn't like it didn't like we were filling the basket up from anywhere else either. Right. Right. No, they go they do that they do make that effort to go inside. There's times that I used to have to yell and scream, stop chucking it and just work the offense, right? Work the offense. But every now and then you gotta try a three. The problem is we get into these we've done this for years now. We get in those long streaks where we can't throw it in the ocean. And it I don't know if it's the other team is just defending us or what. I think that's part of it. Again, I think as a whole and as a strategy, three-point shooting is smart when you're good at it, right? And you have to be it. really bad for it to not make sense. Yeah. And part of it is the – like the um, – I think Justin Ferguson talked about this. The, the good three-pointers are the ones – like you're saying, we pass it around, we pass it inside and back out, and somebody's open on the perimeter, and we – they're not dribbling. They're not shooting it guarded. We're like, we pass it in a broom or Jalen, and they passed it back out to somebody in the perimeter who's open. They shoot. Our percentage is pretty good with those. Mm-hmm. It's when we got a guy in our face and we're dribbling without passing the ball around and try to just make it happen that our three-point shooting percentage for those is not good. Aiden Holloway. He ain't the only one. He's not. I know, but he, J- you know, Jalen had some bat, had some shots like that against both teams, and yeah, Jalen had a 
no, had a particularly uncharacteristically bad game against Mississippi State. I, Alabama, too. Yeah. We could talk about it. Yeah. I was just really surprised. I was really surprised. Um, all right. What's up next on our big picture so, before we get in the game? So we talked about how we did feel, I, and you talked a little bit about your perspective that helping you get away. I want to talk a little bit about how we should feel based on – the the realities of college basketball in this team. And I'm just going to say my concern level is 0.0. That's good. That makes me feel better. Tell us why. Those were really, really hard games. And almost every country, almost every team in the country is going to lose at those two places. Um, We were in the game in both games at the end with a chance to win. We didn't go there and get destroyed. Mm -hmm. Last year, our first two road games, and you may not recall, we played at Georgia and at at A&M in our first two games on the road last year, and we got a crush in both of those. Big double-digit losses where it was not competitive. We were competitive in these games, Mm -hmm. and in both games, we were competitive, we were there at the end, and we made a ton of mistakes. We threw the ball away. We Good. executed poorly. We executed poorly on defense. We got out rebounded in ways that frustrate me. Mm-hmm. When we get out rebounded on our free throw, oh. when we're should have inside position. Mm-mm. Oh, no. dude! Dude misses his free throw, <laughs> runs right up to the goal, picks the ball up and dunks it or whatever. That yeah. should not ever happen. I'm just gonna like Bruce is gonna show that video to them a million times. I hope so. Okay. And, and that point will be made. So I just think, like, both of these teams are right now are projected to be in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. It's really tough to win on the road. I'm going to talk in a minute about how the rest of college basketball is doing on the road, especially the good teams. And, you know, we lost close games. We were competitive. We made plays. We also made mistakes, and there are things we can learn from. We were not going to go undefeated. I mean, that was not going to happen. And these were tough games. I think we'll be fine. I also think, like, Bruce Pearl has been telling us for three weeks, we're not as good as everybody thinks we are right now. That's right. And Yeah, he said we're better than than people thought we were going to be, but we're not as good as people are now saying we are, which I think is dead on, dead on. Dead on, 100% correct. But we had played a bunch of good teams. We hadn't played any really good, excellent, great teams, and we just played a couple, and we lost. Mm. But we lost in ways in their buildings. We were in the game in the last Mm. possession or two. I owe the podcast an apology because I said – we had the we had played the trap sound effect last week, and Mississippi State was better than a trap game. Yeah, um, they were. Bef- before that game, uh, like last week, I asked Justin Ferguson to rank all the remaining games from hardest to easiest, and this game was second. The Mississippi State game was the second hardest game left after the game at Tennessee, ahead of home games against Alabama or road games at Florida. Wow. So that's how tough that game was. And so, like, losing it was, eh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to mention really quickly, talking about teams like Mississippi State that are better than we thought, where does South Carolina come from? Because they – I did you see when they were playing Kentucky a few days ago, they held Kentucky to 25 points in the first half. They're that good. shocked me. Nobody they, holds they Kentucky to 25 better. They are currently in like second or third place in the SEC. They're ahead of us, or I think maybe they're tied with us. I think they're five and two, like we are, and tied yeah. for. So they're competitive. That's going to be a game. Yeah, yeah. And but again, all the other teams have to play them too. 
Um, just like mm. everybody else has got to play Mississippi State, and a lot of teams got to go there. Yeah. Um, so that that's going to be a challenge for them. Well, and just bear um, in mind too that Alabama has still got to play the hard teams as well. So right. they're not going to go undefeated. They're not. They got one loss in the conference, but they're not going to. You know, they're not going to finish that, seventeen and one or whatever. They again, they've played uh, Tennessee, but they haven't played Kentucky or they haven't played us on the road. They haven't played Mississippi State. So they, that they said, I thought Alabama was better than I expected. I thought that their defense was better than I'd been led to believe. I, well, I'm gonna say this: that was the best defensive game they played all season. Okay, they they way out. That was again the home crowd and their defense mm-hmm. was way better than they had played. But also, this is the other thing I would say about that Alabama team: they were more battle tested than us. They had played a bunch of top ten teams. They played Purdue and Arizona mm-hmm. and somebody else that's really good. And, and so I think they, you know, had played at a really at teams at a really high level and really pushed them a little bit more. And that I think helped them, especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. You know, play with confidence against us. Um, but no, that was they're not going to play that good defensively every game. I I felt like they were they were extending out quickly, um, disruptive more than any team we've played all season, which they really a lot surprised of, me. A lot of athleticism on the perimeter and a lot of length, and they were attacking. Yes, they weren't sitting back and being passive. No. They were coming after us and caused it caused us real problems. They were disrupting think, the entire game. And I think we got a little frantic in the first pace in the first half against them. We, you know, we kind of got out of control. And also, yep. they play very fast. They come up the floor, yep. they shoot a three pointer, and then you're going the other way. And they want you to play at that pace. After the first ten minutes of the game, this game was on pace to be like a hundred to one hundred four or something. Yeah, yeah. And then it slowed down and settled down. But we were really getting a little frantic there at the end of the first half, and they took advantage of it. But also some of it, I think, was a psychological thing where our guys were like, Alabama's running down the court and taking threes. We're going to do that, too. Yeah. And we're going to show you we can play your game. And it's a trap. Like, that is actual trap from them. Yeah. Um, no, because they that's more their game. And we, I mean. It's a trap. Because we, we don't have guys that that can shoot those in a hurry contested three pointers. Like you said, we have they can set up and shoot, mm-hmm. but they're not great about just letting it fly. So Yep. Um you so you had a good point here. Give your point about the final four team and then I'll talk about the rest oh, of the Oh, just that yeah, well you you made that point earlier that it's it's more it's almost more akin to baseball than football, right? We're as Auburn people, we're so football oriented a lot of us that we t- we think in terms of oh no, we lost a game, everything is over. And that's in football that can be the case, but in basketball you're going to lose games. Um, the the final four team, I I just said over and over. You want to peak in March. You don't want to peak in January. The Final Four team in 2019 was 11 and seven in the SEC. They finished fourth in the SEC regular season, but they got hot right before the SEC tournament started. Remember, they hit that uh, Chuma hit that three pointer to beat Georgia in the last game, and then they had a they had they had some momentum. They went into the tournament. They beat. They won the tournament, beat Florida in that close game, went on and won the whole – beat Tennessee, I think, in the final, won the tournament, and then they went – they carried that through to the NCAA tournament. The 2022 team 
the the Jabari and Walker team, that's the one that peaked in January, right, by being number one and then started losing. And by the time they got to the tournament, they didn't even they, they didn't win a game in the SEC tournament and they lost in the second round in the in the NCAA tournament. So they only won one that that number one ranked twenty two team won one postseason game total. You want to peak in March, not January. What was the road record of that Final Four team? Oh, Lord. Overall or in the SEC? In the SEC. Um, right, I think it was overall. But, but I, I have the road record right here. Well, I, I don't know, but I'm going to say I bet that most of their losses were on the road. Four and six. Yeah. Yeah. So having two SEC losses is not the end of the world right now. And, but you also you're right about the peaking thing. That team had a worse record right now than this team does. Yes, yeah. At this point in the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I did, we talked earlier about the people that are you know freaking out and stuff. We're sixteen and four and five and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I understand and, we we got to beat some good teams when we play them, but and again, not to lower expectations. I want them to win the national championship at least get to the final four. But you have said many times, very wisely and very sagely on this show, John that our goal is to get to the NCAA tournament. Everything else is a bonus, and this team should have no problem yes. getting to the NCAA and, tournament. And in the SEC, I want to get one, I want to finish in the top four so we get one of those double buys at the SEC tournament. That's a good place to be. I'd like to be there. So that's the, you know, that's the goal in the SEC regular season. I, I, I think we're still on pace to do that. Although I would point out it's part of – it's not entirely, but it's part of the reason – that we haven't won an SEC tournament game since the Final Four team. <laughs> because because we, when you get the double bye, you're automatically playing a good, a, hot team coming yes, out of the break. Yes, and, and and probably a lower-ranked team that is on a roll because they've just won two games or one game, yeah. And, you're, and right. you've been sitting. It's not yeah, always a great thing to have that break is all I'm saying. It's not yeah. bad, but it's, you know, it can work either way. All right, uh... Anything else about the Alabama game? We're gonna let's, get into some specifics here in a second, so I'm not that concerned. All right, yeah. So let's let's jump into the specifics. Let's go there. All right. So 79-75. The lights. Pay your electric bill, Alabama. What the heck, man? I, I as soon as we started coming back in that game, I said, "Up, oh, get ready for the lights to go out again." Here it comes. You know, um, every everything about it just felt like. It was a trap set for us. Not a trap game in the sense that we usually mean it, but just in the sense of it felt like Alabama was waiting in the bushes. The referees were in the bushes with them. The light, <laughs> the light operators were in the bushes with them. Everything the announcers was were in the bushes oh with them. yeah, the announcers. Everything was just weighted toward you know us having a bad game. It felt like eighty-five Tennessee and football going up there, and Johnny Majors having the water sprinklers running all night. It just felt like we were walking into it, and we did. And uh, and we we just did not play with a lot of composure early on. Uh, Alabama got off to a lead. Were they like fourteen up at the half? Mm-hmm. And then we came immediately out in the second half and cut it down to like four. But you know how it always goes is. You expend a lot of energy coming back, and then and see this was the thing. What gave me some hope was that teams tend to expend a lot of energy coming back, but most teams don't have ten or eleven players that they can rotate in and out. 
So I felt like if we expend energy coming back, then we just do a shift change and we're back. We're good again. We're all good again. Yes. yes. And it felt like that was yeah, kind of more or less. One thing I noticed, though, was our second shift, and there was some disruption to this. Based, We'll get to that in a second. But our second shift did not have its usual punch coming in against these two teams. It felt like they came in and we continued to struggle. I, I don't know what to make of that. They did, um, and I think that's fair. I think um, you know, the bench, you know, I, I look at the this in the Alabama game, Chad Baker Mazzara had 11, but he was three of eight. Mm-hmm. You know, Katie Johnson had eight, but he was three of seven. Yeah. Trey Donaldson had eight, but he was, you know, he was three of five. So Aiden can, Holloway had two points. He was 0 for seven. Yes. So oh, yes. he had a very tough game. Uh, Jalen Williams had a very tough game. He was mm-hmm. three for nine. So yes. I think we have become accustomed to Jalen Williams being solid mm-hmm. uh, and then it being okay. You know, everybody else can kind of pick him up. And this is, again, we lost by four. Jalen Williams scored seven. He's been scoring 15 to 20 points a game. So, I mean, if he, I think that's the particular, like, we needed him to make a shot or two. Oh, or if Aiden and KD each made yeah. one more shot or one more three-pointer, we win. Yeah. That's right. I, you know, and yeah, so we had a lot more turnovers. We had 11 turnovers in this game. Yeah. And, a lot, you know, more than we have been having. And that was a real problem. Oh, oh. And, and I have my new thing that um, drives me nuts. We've talked about the Aiden chucking it from the, from the mm-hmm. logo or whatever and the various other things that drive me nuts. But um, the latest thing that's been driving me nuts is when we work and work and work and we get that turnover and then somebody just chucks it down the court like Joe Montana into the end zone and it just sails right over everybody's head. And I'm like, ah! We had the ball and you just handed it back over and then we have to start playing defense again. I hate that. I know that you want to try to do that spectacular over-the-top whatever dunk thing you know the alley-oop but my gosh at least connect it don't throw it to the stands and we did that like three or four times in those two games we did i I, against alabama i totally agree against mississippi state some of it was their defense was so good i think they were purposefully trying to do anything they could to score before mississippi state got set up yeah (laughs) that's probably yeah no that's probably true it was it was playing in molasses. It felt like, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, you had a note, like, like, so you, Katie. Uh, so to Broom, Broom has games where he's the only thing that works, and Broom has games where he disappears. And I don't quite know what the difference is. I mean, I, but I think when we need him, he's there, and he was great yeah. in both of these games. Okay, yes. I mean, against Alabama, twenty-five points, fourteen rebounds, six blocks, and five fouls called on him in the second half. Good night. I mean, I. It's us and centers in Tuscaloosa, and the refs mm. are like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, that's exactly. That's crazy. You had a note about KD. What, what do you I want just, to talk about KD? I love KD. I genuinely do. I, and I think this is, one, and this is one of the things, like, you see KD playing in those games over other guys, and Bruce is making a decision to play him. And one of the reasons is because he is not afraid. No, absolutely. We're on the road in these tough places, and the crowd is all over you, and the shots aren't falling, and the other team's defense is tough. I, he does not always make great decisions. Sometimes he forces it and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. But he is not 
one of the things that Bruce wants is, are you going to just be out there or are you going to make a play? Yeah. And Katie Johnson is not afraid to attempt to make a play. And so, like, I I see it. Like, I appreciate the fact that he is not afraid. And some of the other guys in that team get really tight and they are scared to shoot. Yeah. He's never. In fact, every time he gets the ball at the three-point circle, you can ask my wife, every time he gets the ball at three-point circle, I always say, oh, you want to do it, don't you? You want to do it. And he's always like, "Eh, eh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And when he passes, I'm like, ah, but you wanted to. And then usually if it comes back to him, he's not going to turn it down the second time. If he touches the ball twice in a possession, the second time he is either letting it fly or he is driving. Every time he drives, all I think is like, Leroy (laughs) Dickens. I just think have the neck brace ready because he's probably going to end up on the floor. That's what he hit this. There was one play and I don't remember which game it was in, but there was one play and somebody can remind me, maybe you'll remember that epitomizes his spirit. I forget what he did, but it was either like the play. It was like the Alabama, the Mississippi state player, the opponent, the opponent player either stole the ball from him or got a rebound in front of him or something. Right. And turned around to just go off and was going to go dunk, right? And KD basically was all of a sudden wrapped around the ball in the guy's lap for either a steal or a jump ball or something. I mean, it, it, I, I wish I had a clearer memory, but I just remember that one moment he was getting taken advantage of, and the next, the guy that thought he had picked, he had robbed KD blind, had KD wrapped around the ball in his hands. And I'm, and he may have stolen it and gone back the other way. And one of the reasons that Auburn stayed in both of these games is yeah. because even though the shots weren't falling and the other team was playing really tough, they played incredibly hard. If you go back and watch mm-hmm. these two games, there's so many times when it looks like the other team is going to get a layup or a dunk, and Auburn was like, uh-uh, no. We're going to block it or we're yeah. going to foul you. There's going to be nothing easy for you ever. And I like the absolute dead sprint back down the court mm-hmm. by Broom or Chad Baker, Mazzara, or KD or whatever – to even just foul the other guy going up for a layup. I oh, love that. KD committed manslaughter on a Mississippi State guy, and I had no problems with it at all. He, like, pulled a pulled a gun on him <laughs> as the guy was about to dunk. You know, he, he pulled a broadsword and took the guy's legs out from under him or whatever. He, I think that's about all he could reach. But, yeah, he, <laughs> he did. So I think maybe KD is still getting used to the fact that he weighs about 50 pounds less than he – than he did a year or two ago, and he can do these things because he really is active now, even yes. more than he used to be. So, um, what about what do we make of uh, in the Mississippi State game? Uh, Holloway and Denver Jones didn't start. I think it was KD and uh, Trey Donaldson, right? Yeah. And um, and we find I, I thought when I saw that when I saw who was out there at the beginning of the game, my immediate thought was. This is Bruce shaking things up after Alabama, which would make sense. And I thought, yeah, I mean, given the way things went, I might start Trey Donaldson. At least he's scoring more than than Holloway is. It feels like he is. And then, um, and by the way, did you know the very first game of this season, Aiden Holloway was the leading scorer? Yeah. And then since then, I mean, he's a fine point guard, but he just the only thing he wants to do is shoot a three pointer from the logo. 
I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I'm not meaning to be critical of him. I, I want him to do well. And I don't understand why he's not doing more to create a shot. I mean, Trey is out there when he's at point guard. Trey goes all over the court and creates his own shot from every spot on the court. He doesn't just shoot three-pointers. He can lay it in. He can do that running jumper thing, you know. I don't understand it. But, but anyway, we found out it was him and Denver Jones, a violation of team rules. I don't know anything more about that. I don't know that we need to know anything more about that. It could have been they were just late for curfew or something. but Late for practice, missed some class, yeah. whatever. So that was odd. But. but it was odd, and I think it upset the mojo of the rotation. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it made the shift change different. It made it weird that Aiden Holloway yes. came out of there. In fact, we actually were changing players out maybe it was in the Alabama game, after like two minutes, which is unusual. We usually get to like the five-minute mark, and then we just change the whole five. But that game was intense and fast, and so it made sense to switch them out. It did. Yeah, keep them fresh. Um, Let's see. We've talked about a lot of this. The rebounding, though, I want to reiterate this. Uh, Mississippi State just out-rebounded us like like we weren't even trying. They're a big, strong, physical team, Mm -hmm. and they're an excellent rebounding team, but it bothers me. I'll be clear. Like it's a weakness for this team. Rebounding is a problem. Some of rebounding is about effort and focus, right? Block your guy out, be in position, get the ball. I think when we're playing defense, often on purpose, players don't go for the rebound. They're sprinting up the court, attempting to set up a fast break before the shot even lands. Okay. So you'll see, when the other team shoots the ball, if it's obviously a miss or a rebound, <clears throat> Auburn guys are tur- some Auburn guys are turning and running for the other end of the court. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this doesn't help you rebound, and if the other team gets the rebound, then you're in the problem because some of your guys have already left, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, there, yeah, you're right. There are points where when we shoot it and we miss. On the rebound, it looks like there's the other team is the only players on the court. Yeah, so we we no, part of it is we do a lot of offensive sets where we're spacing the other team out, so there aren't two or three Auburn guys in the lane like there might have been in mm. you know 1987 or whatever, yeah, right? For and sure. so there aren't people under there to get the rebound, but some of that is. Players don't follow their shot, and mm-hmm. other players that should that are closer to the basket that could go for the rebound are not, and not blocking guys out around them or whatever either. Even if you don't go inside to get the rebound, you could put a body between your guy and the basket and keep him from going to get it. Yeah, and we don't do that enough. We so I, I know this is a problem, and I think they're going to work on it. Um, and, in particular, I think in the Mississippi State game, Cardwell got in foul trouble. He's an yes. excellent rebounder. He's gotten so much better this year, and his strength and athletic ability, we need him to against those kind of teams especially. And so then Broom had to play a lot because uh, Cardwell was in foul trouble and probably more minutes than Broom's played in any game this season, and that wore him down. Um, well, Wednesday night. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you. And to defeat Vanderbilt in your home stadium. This is what is best in life. We've got to, we've got to, uh, I can't imagine a world where we lose to Vanderbilt on Wednesday, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. We got to do it. We got to do it. That's right. You got to go. I mean, again, of the 11 teams, we, 11 games we have left, this is the easiest. Now yes. go win it. Go Don't win it. Don't let those other two games beat you again. Nope. Go out there and take advantage of the home crowd and 
don't dilly-dally around. Let's jump on them with both feet and get the crowd into the game full speed and then run away with it. And then Saturday, February 3rd, we go to Ole Miss. This is a winnable game on the road. It's not going to be necessarily easy. They're a, they're a good team, and they've got Flan yeah. uh, and other good players. But And it's at home in Ole I mean, it's at Ole Miss, home for them. So, um, But a team that we beat by yeah. Yeah, whatever, 12 or 15 in Auburn – we, you know, I think we could take care of them in Oxford. I think we, again, I think particular like we know how to defend this team. Yeah. I think we have a pretty good sense of, and it'll be closer, but I think it it's will. a winnable game for us. If we win these two, and meanwhile Alabama and uh, Tennessee and South Carolina, whoever else, mm-hmm. are playing each other to some degree, yep. then hopefully that'll smooth smooth things back around again. We could end up back in tied for first place again before the before it's all said and done, you know. So that's right. All right. Uh oh, we have uh we have to do this. I did not expect to have to do this, but this is the Central Florida Golden Knights Report. Trovon Reed has left Auburn to go to work for Gus as the cornerbacks coach at Central Florida. This has been the Central Florida Golden Knights Report. So, if you want to comment on that at all, I'm just I, I'm disappointed. I wish him well. It's an on-the-field role. Yeah. He wasn't going to get that at Auburn. I'm happy for him. Gus is bringing in some other ex-players and kind of putting the band back together. So he is. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this though: Did it? Did Travon leaving have anything to do with us hiring this guy from LSU? No. Okay. I, I thought maybe they were similar in their job description or something. No, I think I think I mean again when we have had you know vacancies, Travon has filled in as an on-the-field coach. But he was not getting an on-the-field coaching job at Auburn, yeah. And other people, you know, other other schools offered him that kind of job, and especially working for Gus, a guy that recruited him to Auburn, like he was interested, and that's how he went. Yeah, you get to go work for Gus, which is probably a pretty cool environment. You get to um, live in Orlando, which is a pretty fun place. I enjoy going down there. And, and uh, yeah, why not? And, and, you and get then to be he gets an coach. opportunity to establish himself as a good on the field coach. And yeah. I, I, maybe he'll be back at Auburn one day. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, I just hate losing people that we we've lost several of our former players that were serving in coaching type roles the last couple of weeks, and it's always just kind of uh, it's almost like uh, Freeze has been getting the band back together too. So we'll see how that <laughs> we'll see how that all pans out. Um, people going kind of with what they know. All right, uh, book update. We're still looking whoa, whoa, at... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, we I'm sorry. the rest of the football stuff. Can I talk about that for one minute? Oh, there was a football section. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was I, th- I was thinking that was the bottom of the basketball section. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, just You mentioned this personnel guy. Yeah. This was actually big news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freeze hired oh, this guy, Will Redmond, away from LSU. He's the player personnel director for LSU, and, and Freeze hired him to Auburn. He is the reigning, uh, you know, player personnel director of the year by a couple of different websites. He's done an excellent job at LSU. He's the guy that helped them bring in 
Jaden Daniels and some of those other guys, and he's made a big difference there. This was considered a big coup for Auburn to get this guy away from LSU. And if you don't know, like, this isn't a traditional job in college football, right? If you're like professional sports teams have somebody, a player personnel guy, but that's not something we've had in college in the past. But if you think about the current nature of the college football environment, you need to have somebody who's focusing on nothing but personnel, like not your roster and other teams rosters. Who's out there that might want to transfer to Auburn? Are there any good or not? Who do you want? But also, continue to focus on your roster how can we develop them how can we set goals and how can we train them to be better um what what things can we do to you know develop them into better players and then and keep them engaged and happy on the team so they don't want to leave and meanwhile we're evaluating all the players on all the other college football team to say hey if this guy enters the portal we want that guy Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so I think it's a it's a big job and a lot of work, and this guy's supposed to be really really good at it. So I think in the long run, this is going to help. I've been very encouraged by most of our moves that the football team has been making the last little while. I mean, um, the who we've hired and and some things that we've done along those lines. I feel like it's stacking up very nicely. We just got to keep the ball rolling. We got to win some games this fall is, is a big thing. That's we right. Got to, we got to do some proof of concept out there on the field a little bit. Now I think it's time. Um, what did we ever find out about our defensive coordinator? I, it's still waiting. It's I still thought vacant. That, I thought I saw something that like yesterday that said they'd gone ahead and gone ahead, with, gone ahead and decided to go with this Durkin guy or whatever. I don't think that's actually happened yet. So maybe I, Again, it's Monday night. This my I don't believe that's happened. Okay. So uh, maybe that's the root current rumor. But I, again, they were waiting for Chris Kiffin. His NFL team lost last week. Mm-hmm. I thought they would move forward to that. Last week we talked about him or DJ Durkin. Uh, so we, but we have not heard anything. Okay. Well, so it makes me think they're negotiating potentially. So we will see. Um, yeah, we didn't get Ryan Williams. It doesn't look like he just be- basically decommitted to turn around and recommit again. In fact, I think he canceled his visits to Texas and to Auburn, right? I knew he canceled yeah. the Texas yeah. visit. He ended up canceling his Auburn visit. That's yeah, basically that's what you do when you've made up your mind for sure, so that's fine. But um, our uh, Cam, uh, Cam Coleman. Coleman ended up getting reclassified up to like the number three player in the entire class or something. Yeah, they. Uh, one of the websites – do read you know at the end of the year redoes all their rankings and Cam Coleman was the number three player in the entire country yeah um, and uh, a higher rated receiver than Ryan Williams so that was kind of exciting wow he jumped over Williams yes well that's good uh, who needs him then who needs Williams it's fine. We're good. <laughs> again I I still wanted Ryan Williams he was an Auburn legacy we should never have gotten to this point but I also understand and. You know, Alabama lost a bunch of players recently. They had a bunch of money available to commit to other places, and they mm. desperately needed to win this recruiting battle. So, yeah, that's the thing. They were really willing to throw. They they basically treated him like Nick Saban in two thousand seven. Mm. They just threw everything at him because they just could not take the PR hit of losing another. You know, on top of everything else that has just yes. happened to them. I need somebody though to do a graphic of the of the freeze four have freeze in the Iceman thing and then have the other four like the Fantastic Four but catching footballs or something. I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a big order right there. But I can just kind of imagine the freeze four 
make a nice uh, make a nice graphic. And I mean, I've told you before. I felt like if we got all five of them, at least two of them would transfer after the end of this coming season, just because somebody's going to be upset the, that there's not five balls out there on the yeah. field. You know, so this is fine. We it's basically just preemptive transferring, I think, but it worked out. So. It is, and I'm still, as you said, I'm, I'm very, very, very happy and excited about the players we did get. So Yeah. Um, the scoreboard, I, I'm not super into this. I know that people in the student end zone would really like a scoreboard they could see. I think some of it is also like there are actual problems with that scoreboard, right? It doesn't work well, it, perfectly. It, it, it goes back to when we were students. I know it does. It's been there so, since like 87. <laughs> Right, so I, I, it has a very classic look, and I respect it. But I think they're going to replace it. They're, you know, the board of trustees is talking about some stuff now. They're not talking about the level of stuff that you and I want, closing in that end of the stadium yeah, and doing a bunch of other stuff. But I think they're going to start with scoreboard replacement. Fix the scoreboard, and then just keep going. the the north The north end zone, out of the whole stadium, is what has screamed out for upgrades. For the longest time, right? I mean, yes. the north end zone looks like it did after the, like, sh- one of Suge's expansions. When they closed it in, you know, it used to be open. That was mm-hmm. the end that was open for the track. You could run right from the field into what is now the geology building because it was the field house. When they closed in that end zone, the, the, ge- the field house became the geology building. I can't even think what it's called. Did something T. Yes. We know what you're talking about. Yes, the one on the corner, the little caddy corner one there on the corner. And, um, yeah, when they when they closed that end zone in, that was the last time they did anything to that end zone, other than the scoreboard, which goes back to 87. And it's funny because Florida Field used to have the same type of scoreboard at the other end of theirs, right? You know, they, they fixed up one end zone, kind of like ours with the big screen, but the other end had the little scoreboard like that because I remember it was low, long, and narrow and low. And the only thing the little graphic board on it could really show was the little gator mouth. <laughs> you remember that? The little gator yeah, would the chomp. Eight bit gator chomp. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah, like a little Atari twenty six hundred gator chomping on that little strip on that end on that board. And I think that's what we still have, except we don't have a gator that chomps on it. So, yep. All right, so we'll see what yeah, baby steps, right? But I feel like Cohen is going to get things done. He you know, I got to say I have more confidence in him than anybody we've hired in a long time because he's like the first athletic director we've had in years that has really seemed like he knows exactly what he's doing and isn't kind of making it up on the fly. With Jay Jacobs, I felt like he did some good things, but he also seemed like he was trying to figure out things as he went along, and that's, you know, that's fine. He did, but and then Alan Green never felt like he was, you know, he always felt kind of awkward. He wanted to be, you know, good, but he, he was never a good fit in terms of his skill set and all. And so this guy feels like we've hired the CEO of like Exxon or Apple or something. Well, not Apple, obviously, because we already got him. But you know what I mean? This feels like the Secretary of State coming in as opposed to Joe Blow. And he really seems like he knows what he's doing. So I have, I have tremendous confidence in Cohen to kind of, get things done agree yeah i agree and i think we've seen this you know we've been to other campuses we've seen Mm. what their ends of their stadiums look like and it can be better yeah and we want that for auburn absolutely and it's just way overdue i mean the, the the stadium now for the most part is how it was when we were students that's right 
I mean, the scoreboard's bigger in one end. There's a couple more extra suites. A little better food options. That's about it. That's about it, which is terrible. So, all right. Uh, I was saying the book update, it does still look like we're going to do our book signing, I hope, on March 9th uh, for the Georgia basketball game. I've. It seems like we have a deal with the with, oh, I'm, it's, it's been several days since I've heard back from either one of them. So it's either the, I think we have a deal with the Auburn store and I'm still waiting to hear back from the Birmingham store. I think that's how it is. I've emailed the Birmingham store a couple of times. They're just not responding to me. So, I, and it's not like they're blowing me off because they were very encouraging at first. And then we started talking about details and they kind of quit. I don't know. They kind of quit responding. So. If I have to go somewhere else, I will. I just we need to move things along because it's about to be February, so we got to move this thing along. Uh, lead time is important, setting things up. But hopefully, Birmingham on March eighth, Auburn on March 9th. Come see us. We'll give you more details as soon as they're available. I keep saying I need to set us up an, uh, uh, an email newsletter. I'm not a big email newsletter fan. I don't like getting any more email than I have to. But I think that we could provide stuff that our listeners do kind of want to know if we don't overdo it. So I'm going to try to figure out if you want to look into it too, cause you're good at figuring out things like this too. see if we can figure out how to set up just a very bare, just the most bare bones. John and I are going to, you know, John and Van are going to be at the bookstore in Auburn, that kind of thing. Come by and see us, you know, March 8th or March 9th at whatever. It's not, it's not going to be a super marketing thing. It's not going to be junk mail. It'll just be like, here's something you may want to know about. The book is out, you know that kind of thing. Here's a link to the the complete, yeah. uh, you know, the last week's guess the game video. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> something, yeah, exactly, whatever. So, yeah, I do want to set that up because I think that could be that could have some use for us. All right, let's go ahead and thank our patrons. Remember, we don't have ads; we depend entirely on you, our listeners, the AU Wishbone family, to keep us chugging along here. And thank heavens you do. Uh, these are the folks that went to www.auwishbone.com. I noticed that uh, our website host sent me an email this afternoon and said they had changed servers, and, and, they, and you, they're like, you may need to update your IP address. I checked all of my websites. I think AU Wishbone still comes up just fine. I went to plexico.net, and it said forbidden. I'm like, what, excuse me? Forbidden? So I got to look into that, but... If you go to www.auwishbone.com, you shouldn't have any problem getting in. In fact, it should be even faster now they've changed servers. And you click on the big orange button to become a patron. Here, here right now, are the fine folks who are currently doing that. They are the folks who have gone to www.auwishbone.com, clicked on the big orange button, become patrons. They include... Samuel Salvatore says... Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. With pearl white snoo. Plus, Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crackham, Logan Chilton. When I heard Rule Britannia was gone, I said... No! No! No, I'm devastated! This is me. During the this Mississippi the State worst. game. This is the worst. It is. No. And we th- stole the ball and then threw it out the back of the other end zone. <laughs> that was me every time. We that did was that. bad. Oh. <sighs> Sa- uh, uh, Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, 
Bradley Blackman, David W.D.E. Sammons, Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC. Uh, <laughs> uh, if Carol Shelby would have seen Kalen DeBoer any time since January 12th, he would have said... I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. Yeah, well, except for when he got Ryan Williams, but uh, that's... I like that he, he mentioned... I guess, did they hire him on my birthday? Is that what happened? I think so. Wow, that's disturbing. Uh, Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor says... I'm not going to play the whole thing, but... There you go. Just a little taste. Richard Stevens, starting uh, starting July 12th, when Carol has a message for all the gamers on NCAA Football 24. I am the only daddy you got. I am the damn paterfamilias. That is good. (laughs) I want to play that if... if, uh, after we hammer Vanderbilt again, that'll be nice. Um, and Ole Miss. Um, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, Alex Brown, Auburn Football's Elvis. Auburn makes offense look difficult. Yeah, it's true. Ben Bloodworth bleeds orange and blue. Bob WDE Salmons Esquire, a.k.a. Sleazy Shyster 4. Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Chad, uh, Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Daniel Odom, Bobby, Harry Zagger, H-Town, Danny. I do public relations work for a company that sells bicycle wheels. I'm also their spokesperson. Ah! Oh. I had to give that one, too. Oh. That was painful. Uh, in home, Hugh, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Ringer for president. Well, you know what John says. Well, I'm not a crook. That's right. That's what he says. Um, let's see. Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, this is the famous. Um, I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Everybody hop aboard the TARDIS for a ride. Uh, let's see. No one fights like Gaston. Algo, Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rhod- Rhodesian Mudflap. It makes me thirsty every time we get to Rhodesian Mudflap. I want to go get you to mix me up one while we're on the show. Pour, pour me out another Rhodesian Mudflap, John. I, I'm telling you, it's got Kahlua. It's got to have Kahlua in it. Absolutely. I like a good... You know, I'm, I'm a fan of a big Irish coffee. Yeah, there it is. For sure. I still got to find out exactly what it is. Rich Reimer, one day we'll find out. Rusty Owen, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, Todd Robinson, Wade Ward, Walker White, QB1. Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. And that may be true. We're going to see. I'm starting to think that we may have Walker White QB1. I don't know. WDE Richie loves our basketball team. Even I guess we love them even, even right now, of course. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Winston Body, Auburn Blue. Bama was grabbing face masks like it was a national title for the 1920s. I didn't think they had face masks in the 1920s. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the point. I'm not sure. Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, what? Brandon Smith, Charles Mooney, Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson, Josh Teal, Just Wait Till Next Year, Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams says... Whether you like it or not, learn to love it, because it's the best thing going today. Woo! Woo! 
Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston. The only freeze I care about is the frozen ice inside Auburn basketball's veins. Ah, if only that had played out the last Amen. couple of days. Yeah. Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Wiggle 87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. A few more patrons left. Yeah, there's a few more. Alex Wynn, hey, you falling up. Barls Charkley, Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Chris Como, and finally, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle. Did you know Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey? I didn't know that. How about that? Uh, Elizabeth Donald, we... Uh, we got to get better at... At, at, at stealing your, your defensive back coach. That's what we got to get better at. We, we, we just did it. And, 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 yeah, we're going to go down to Waffle House and celebrate. Yep, we're going to do that. Yep. Uh, I am Tiger, H- evil, evil HR director of... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. Told you, we had an evil HR director. We got rid of him. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Otsuki, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean. Kenneth Britt Rain says that the barbecue... You have failed me for the last time. A.K. Auburn Dead for Life. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bray. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. Because you admitted you hadn't seen Tombstone. <laughs> we were talking to Kathy. <laughs> we were talking about Tombstone on Facebook, and Kathy's like, I still need to see that movie. And everybody's like, <gasps> it, it turns into Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Everybody's pointing at Kathy like, oh. You know, like, it's her. So, uh, yeah, I hope Kathy's watched it, and I, I want a book report. I want a movie report, Kathy, on Tombstone as soon as you see it. Uh, New York Tigers' favorite Knicks is Lloyd. Well, okay, that goes back a little ways. Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth, and Darren Sutherland. Spanky, I'm at the bottom of this list because... Brock Wilson! Not for why you can, the monkey boy. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, The Slinko Family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. Thank you all. Then so be it. So be it. www.auwishbone.com. And let's see. Now I think we have to go to... Uh Uh-oh. There it goes. Hello, Van, John, and the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist here with Guess the Game number 112. Guess the Game 112 has been sent in by Bill Miner. Let's see what Bill sent in. Third and six for the... Van goes in motion. With time. Throws. He goes down. Ball is loose. Ball is loose. Picked up by the Tigers. Down to the five. It's a touchdown. Oh, the scoop and score. Touchdown, Auburn. Okay, guys, I will see you in the hint file. All right. The announcers were? Well, that was Andy Burcham. I'm not sure who the other mm-hmm. person was. Who took? I was thinking Jason Campbell took over. Is So maybe it was before Jason took over. Isn't Jason our current color analyst? Yes. So it, it was. It was. Um, it was uh, prior to Stan, Stan White, right? Yeah, it was. That's right. It was Stan, and then he 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 quit. He retired from mm-hmm. it. 
So, but he, I, if if we when we get to the hit file, we get we'll know. But from the names, but also I'm trying to figure out if it was Jason Campbell or Stan in that clip because that would tell us the years. But so it was a the opponent threw a pass, but near their own goal line, mm-hmm. they fumbled after mm-hmm. completing the pass. We recovered and ran in the end zone. Yeah, that's it. That does not ring a bell. So it would have to be in the last couple of years. Yes. Last two to three years, I think. And yet, I that does not ring a bell for me at all. This may be one of the most recent Guess the Games we've ever had. I think it is. I don't know if we've had one with Andy on. I don't think we have, yeah. I mean, well, it, it feels like maybe we had, a, we had one from the 2019 Iron Bowl, which this could be, I guess. That game had so many scores. Who can remember how we scored all of them other than the, you know, the Shriver, Sean Shriver run? No, but that had, did 2019 have the two long interception returns? It had the one, the butt interception that was all the way run back 100 yards, yeah. And, and then it had another one, too. I think it had another pick six. Yeah, I think so. Not nearly so as dramatic. It's not, I don't think it's that game. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I a, think so. a game from the last year or two. Like this season that just finished or the season before. Yeah. Um, Missouri with uh, Potato. There's... So let's think about games where we like the defense maybe scored right. That the Missouri game is possible because that it's was possible. an ugly offensive game. Yeah, is that that wasn't the memorable. The only thing I remember now from the, the Missouri, Missouri game, game is, the is the ending, the OT thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't even remember how we got to overtime in that game. To be honest, man, it's the, honestly uh, it's it's one of those things where the closer to the present you get, the harder I'm going to struggle with it because I don't. I don't remember every play now like I used to, you know? And so it's. We gotta say, here's an important lesson, kids. We remember the games from 1980s and 90s. We don't remember the games that happened last season. Let's let's go to the hit file. 100% accurate. That is so accurate. And it's so true. It's sad and pathetic. Here we are on the hit file. Let's get rid of those bleeps and give it another listen. Third and six for the Fighting Tigers. Man (laughs) goes in motion. Finley with time throws. He goes down, ball is loose, ball is loose, picked up by the Tigers, down to the five, it's a touchdown, Christian touch, Christian touch, ball oh, King. score, touchdown, Auburn. It's All King. Right, lads, I will see King. you in the answer file. King touch, that was TJ Finley for LSU, for LSU against Auburn. When he said the Fighting Tigers, I'm like, why are you calling us the Fighting Tigers? And I realized he's not. No, he that was. That was the opponent. All right. So, so we we know Finley was our quarterback in twenty one because he was the quarterback in the in the Iron Bowl. We should have won. So that's got to be twenty because I think he was a freshman. LSU in 20. plays Auburn. We beat. We won. We won the LSU game in twenty. Right because we broke this. Do, all right. Do we play LSU at home in odd numbered years or away in odd number and even numbered not even numbered? No, years? in nineteen we played him down there. So at 20, yes. we must have played him at home. Yeah, Finley was the LSU quarterback, and we beat them. And we beat him in 21 down there. Yes. With and Bo. Yes. So this is 20 or 21. No, but 21, Finley was on our team. It has to be 20. Yeah, I think it was 20. Yeah. In Auburn against yeah. LSU. Not uh, 2020 LSU. Is what we think. Okay, John, Van, if you guys figured out that this is Auburn playing LSU in 2020, then you are pretty darn good at this. I want to thank Bill Miner for sending that in. If you'd like to be like Bill and have a Guess the Gameplay featured here on my segment, 
It's pretty simple. You can send your suggestions to at Yard Sale Artist on X, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can email me at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. And until next time, Van John, I couldn't remember if we beat LSU in 2020. That season is just kind of like came and went. You know what I mean? It's a it's a blur. We we only played SEC teams. There was nobody in the stadium. It's just I don't you know that season is kind of forgotten, forgettable and forgotten. So I so that's good. Yeah, that was a, that was a good kind of out of the box one, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, that, cool. That means we beat LSU in 20 and 21, um, and should have beaten them in 22. We had them and let them Amen. off the hook. Yeah, so. Might have saved old Potato's potato if he had uh, held on to that one. All right, so uh, that was Guess the Game. So Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right, what's the listeners got going on? Oh, 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 before we do, I have a listener question thing here I wanted to point out. Hit me. Josh Corbett sent in... Bingo, Auburn basketball bingo, but it's Boris instead of bingo. So it's B-O-R-I-S instead of B-I-N-G-O. Boris approves. And let me just run through the things on the Boris bingo, all right? These are the things that when they happen, you put a marker on. Chuck and duck, as I always say. Walk on makes a basket. Broom rim roll off. Oh, that's one that drives me nuts. Leor misses a three. Scoring drought. There's your bees. We've had all we experienced all of that in the last two games. Man. O is Cheney misses a shot. Logo three. Aiden misses a drive to the basket. Van says Dylan. <laughs> I say Dylan because my wife is like a big Dylan Cardwell fan, so I try to point out to her when he does something so she'll look up from her whatever she's doing. Undisciplined foul. Yeah. Van says, go on, Jalen. I do say that a lot <laughs> because I got that from Funny Maine. It's, it's how I helped remember my, the names of players, right? When you have those mental associations, I got that from George W. Bush. It's like Kenny May, uh, uh, Funny Maine would say with Jalen Hurts would say, go on, Jalen, go on, Jalen. And so whenever Jalen Williams does something, I say, go on, Jalen. Uh, walk-ons get in the game. That's the pasty brigade. Uh, KD uncontrolled. That's fair. And anyone passes into traffic. All right, that was the R. I is Trey takes a contested three. KD gets a technical foul. Ooh. Broom misses a three-pointer. Yeah, well, we talked about that. Caldwell mishandle. Cardwell mishandle. And Van says Bruce, which I do say occasionally. And then S is don't they don't drive. Yeah. Denver mishandle. Bruce not taking a timeout. Well, that you could win the game right there. You're getting that square. You're getting that one. Chris Moore misses a layup. And finally, TV analyst says Auburn is 11 deep. That's good. Uh, Way to go, Josh. You did a very fine job there. I'm going to use that on the Vanderbilt game. I'll put it over here where I remember to to use that on the Vanderbilt game. So thank you very much, Josh, for that. All right. What we got from listener questions besides that? All right. I I called out the listeners last week because we didn't have enough listener questions. We have six listener questions this week. I'm happy. Let's do it. Number one, from Coach Blackman on on Twitter, he says, After listening to last week's podcast, I agree with John that Alabama is going to try to blitz the May portal window. Mm -hmm. They're going to pull out all the stops, NCAA be damned, 
tampering, illegal contact, you name it. They're going to beg for an investigation, and they won't give a damn question. If that is the case, will the NCAA do anything about it? No. No, not a bit. But and my I, question did, is, will there be enough players in that portal? And, and y'all are saying that they're going to make there be enough players in that yeah, portal. So they're going to manufacture this, I want, a portal. I, I wanted to come back to this, because I mentioned this last week, and we... Yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be like a window and door company. They're gonna be manufacturing portals. <laughs> you you are absolutely. They're gonna yeah. I don't know how the portals on Doctor Who get manufactured, but they're gonna manufacture some. Um, you know, in, a, in the way the rule is set up, and the way it happens in our brains as rule following people is student athlete makes a decision. I'm not getting playing time here. I want to move closer to home. Blah 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 blah. blah. I, you know, I want to go study something else. They don't have a good basket weaving program at this school. So he enters the right. transfer portal and, and then evaluates his options. Once he's in the portal, the schools notify him. He interviews them like, oh, maybe you, maybe you, maybe he does some visits. And then he makes a decision and he goes there. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a, how it's supposed to happen. And in our minds, how it does happen. Okay. Here's how it really happens. Uh, during the season, while you are playing games, you're sitting at home in your apartment and you get a text from an assistant coach that recruited you for another school and say, hey, are you happy there? Do you want to enter the transfer portal after the season to come here? We'd love to have you. We mm-hmm. really need a guy with your skills. Mm-hmm. And when that Alabama offensive tackle went to Iowa, he admitted they contacted him at midseason. And that guy played for Alabama. They were in the playoff, and another school was tampering with their players at midseason. So if it's happening to them, Mm -hmm. I just want to be clear. When you see a guy enter the portal and everybody's like, oh, we know where he's going, there's a reason, okay? (laughs) And it's because he didn't didn't make that decision after he entered the portal, careful consideration. He knew a long time Mm -hmm. ago that's where he's going to go. And so this is what happens. You don't have to like it, but this is how – yeah, it works right now. In you don't have to sports. like it, John. You don't have to like it. Whether you like it or not, <laughs> learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. Woo! And, and we like it when Auburn gets good players out of the portal, but I'm just going to tell you uh, Alabama has resources to bear. And, and we one of the things we talked about is their NIL budget isn't close to the biggest in college football. Right. Their overall budget is, I want to mm-hmm. say this, if you haven't paid attention, mm-hmm. Alabama spends $30 million more a year in football than Georgia. Unbelievable. Okay? So they have money to spend on these things, and and they didn't have to spend more on NIL because players wanted to come play for Saban and mm-hmm. were willing to take less than the market rate to do that. That is no longer the case. They will adjust. And they will pour more money into NIL, and they will continue to get good players. So I just think, like, when the May window opens up and you see the best players from other schools jumping to Alabama, don't be stunned because we're talking about it here. Now, we have seen at Auburn, joining in May, is it a magic cure-all? You miss spring practice. You're not in sync with everybody else. They have a new coaching staff. It it leads to problems. But there is going to be some amount of restocking the shelves when that happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. This is from Steve on Twitter. He said, and again, this uh, email was written six days ago before mm. the Alabama game. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. So 
Steve may want want me to read this. He says, is this the best Auburn basketball team you have ever seen? Mm. For me, the answer is absolutely yes, and it doesn't really matter if they go to the Final Four or not. This team is as good or better defensively, but the huge difference is the number of scores. I have no fear of any player getting fouling out or getting injured. If that happens, we're still good. I'm just saying. Well, but we thought that about the 2022 team, though, at this point. So you just never know until all the – all the evidence is in. I mean, what he was saying at the time, we we kind of felt that way. But I get it. And I understand. So we'll see. That's right. Long, right, long next, lot, of, lot of basketball still to be played. Hopefully, that's right. Uh, next question is from Bill Miner, who says, "Hey guys, I was watching the Lions 49ers game on Sunday, and part of the Lions game plan is continually mm. going forward a fourth down, which they do about a third of the time this season. My question for you guys is, what Auburn team offenses?" Would you have been most comfortable going for a fourth down that much? So many great answers, and hopefully uh, we'll have one in the next year or two. So which kind of – what Auburn teams historically would you have been most confident going for a fourth down? Oh, well, there's the automatic if – it's, if it's three yards or less, you know which team you want it to be. Mr. Automatic, right? Cam Newton, never. I think he was finally stopped from getting a first down um, – on the last regular play of the national championship game. But even then, it might have only been second down and not third down because we went ahead and we just, the clock was running out. We just yeah. kicked it. So I don't think he was ever stopped on third down in less than three yards. And I think the, 2020, the, 20, the 2004 team with Cadillac and Ronnie and Jason and all those receivers, I feel pretty confident in them too. So let's take those two off the board. What other random Auburn team do you feel pretty good about on like fourth, going forward on fourth down? I miss. Well, I mean, I mean, 2013 was pretty yes. good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you had options again, like you, mm-hmm. you know. And then, uh, but even like, I felt pretty good about Rudy Johnson. On short yes, yardage. that's that's good. It's, um, yep. Yep. Two thousand. I felt. Um, those 93-94 teams yeah. they had good offensive linemen and big, powerful backs. Mm-hmm. I like those. Stephen Davis and Bostic. Stephen Davis and Bostic. You know, like with that line and those tight ends, yeah. they were pretty oh, good yeah. short yards too. Yeah, yeah, and um, the you know you go back to like '83 with yeah. Bo and Lionel James and Tommy Ag. I mean, that's yeah, that, yeah. I was gonna say you got real choices there. Yeah, there you go. Good stuff. All right. Uh, next question is from uh, Josh, who's Josh Corbett, who says, Van, John, and Boris. <laughs> what? I, was listening, I was listening to another, another podcast <gasps> that I won't name, <gasps> and the host said something that made me think. He said, in 2024, Alabama will be breaking in a new coach. The host of that podcast said, Auburn will not forgive Freeze if he loses to a first-year coach in Tuscaloosa. My question to y'all being, this is my... This is my number one Auburn podcast, or any podcast for that matter. What should expectations for this team be in 2024? Also, is it unrealistic to say if a loss to a first-year coach in Custalusa will cause an uproar in the Plains? So what are your expectations, and then how will you feel if we lose in Tuscaloosa? Man. Um, And and this is not a barbecue thing. We're just talking about our expectations, not a prediction. Let me ask you this. I'm going to name three Alabama coaches. You tell me the one that lost to Auburn the first season. Gene Stallings, uh, Mike Francione, Nick Saban. Mike Price. Mike Price is um, not an option. He didn't coach. 
<laughs> he didn't coach right. a game. Which of those three lost to Auburn their first it's, try? It's Saban, isn't it? Yes, he's the only one. Did I say – what was Francione's name? What was his Dennis. first name? Dennis. I said Mike. Dennis Francione. Yeah. Yeah, Francione beat us his first year, 2001. Uh, Stallings beat us in 1990. But uh, we beat Saban in 07. Yeah, I mean, I don't – I want us to be competitive, but I don't ever just expect a win going I, into Tuscaloosa in this era. I think that's, you know – It'd silly. be nice. I, it'd be I, nice, but I mean, but but ha- but having the thing of like, if we lose in Tuscaloosa, I'm gonna be it's I'm gonna be incredibly disappointed and think Freeze is a failure. No. I, I'm gonna here's a just everybody brace yourselves and sit down. They're still gonna have more talent one to eighty five than us mm-hmm. because of where we're coming from in our roster. By mm-hmm. the time we get to Tuscaloosa, I believe that. Yeah, and. That's a tough place to play and a tough place to win, especially for us. And there's a mm-hmm. reason that it took superhuman efforts to win there. So, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, as far as I'm Look, concerned, I don't, I'd write down this minute, I don't expect to win that game. Not only I did don't. Cam, not only did Cam Newton have to work a miracle, one of the greatest miracles in, in sports history to win there in 10, to the 2004 Auburn team that so many Auburn fans just fall down the feet of in worship, right? That team nearly lost to Mike Shula in Tuscaloosa in 04. I remember that 04 Iron Bowl like it was yesterday. I remember being sick, being like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose, man. They were losing at halftime in that game. Yep. So it's tough to win there. I'm not going to hate Freeze if we lose there. I'm going to expect him to win in Auburn in 25, but we'll see what happens this fall. It'd be nice. We'll see. That's right. And again, my expectations of this team are, you know, show improvement, mm-hmm. you know, beat somebody good, and I, I want the offense to be better. I don't want any more New Mexico States or whoever they were, and I, and I don't – and I'd like all the closer – I'd like the games that are winnable that we lose to be like the Alabama and Georgia losses and not like – well, not exactly like them, obviously, and not like you know getting blown out or whatever. I'd like close right. losses and feel like we're making progress. And, but also, I want to beat a beat a good team at least. Yes, and I think we're going to do that. I think so. All right. Uh, next uh, question is from Logan Chilton. He says, "Guys, I have gents. I have two questions tonight. First, I'm proud of the guys and the way they fought midweek. That was a tough loss, but I think there's a lot of positives to take away from it. That said." Did we let Bama beat us twice? I didn't see the same focus on Saturday, and that was disappointing. So let's answer that question first. Yeah, it could be. I think there's some, I think there's some real meat that there in this with yeah, this question. I think so. I don't know 100. percent I mean, I, I'm not big on trying to project what the players are thinking and all, but I think overall, it could. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a reasonable suggestion. But also, we. I, mean, I don't want to get into the logistics and the decision making here but they we didn't come back to campus we played in Tuscaloosa and then they stayed over there practice and then went to Starkville yeah yeah yep, like yep, yep, yep. it's whatever three hours away I mean I so I, anyhow I, I the players were in a bubble and not out of it so mm-hmm. uh and the second question is am I the only one that thought our fans were super loud in Tuscaloosa and then ESPN was pushing this narrative of how electric their crowd was? I heard our fans over theirs for much oh, of the yeah. game. Me and too. And they never seemed super electric. That may have just been my AU tinted glasses. Thanks for all you do and hope we get back in the saddle against Vandy. War Eagle, Logan. I heard our fans over theirs a lot. 
And the only time their fans really did anything to impress me was like when they would zoom in on them down on the sidelines or something, and then it would just be a few, right? I mean, there's always going to be a handful of crazies at every basketball arena. Um, this occurred to me, though. You're talking about I'd forgotten that they didn't go home between those two games. That must be when the rule violation happened. Correct. There you go. So if they'd been safely tucked in back in the dorm, we don't know. I mean, again, if the violation was like they were supposed to watch a class online and they slept in or something, that mm. could happen on campus too, uh, right? I mean, so. That's true. That's a good one. Yeah, that's true. Um, next question. Our last question is from Auburn Elvis, who says, Dear John Van, if the Auburn basketball fan base were in Star Wars, our name would be Panic and Skywalker. <laughs> hey, hold on. There you go, Auburn Elvis. You got your post. You got your dad joke sound effect from Jared. There it is. Very nice. Very nice. All right. I guess all that's left is for us to fire up the smoking remains of the Obi-Mobile. And we've already. Let's take a trip around the FTC. We haven't already done that. We've already talked about what you had in your notes here about it. Is there anything else going on we want to talk about around the SEC? Again, I think it's interesting that South Carolina is playing better than we thought. Mississippi State is better than we thought. LSU is kind of terrible. Arkansas, LSU's kind of faded a little bit. I thought for a minute there, LSU and Georgia. LSU and Georgia were the two early surprise teams, but they've kind of backed off a little bit now. But I still think Georgia was the worst team in the league last year. They hired mm-hmm. that co-grade from Florida, Mike White, and they're they're solid. I they took Florida to overtime. That, I mean, when we, we have to play them home in a way, I think, and that's going to be a tough game in Athens. Mm. I'm just going to say oh, that boy. right now. Uh, so, yeah. I was hoping I they would beat a, Florida just because they had the, they got his coach. They got, he got, they got their coach and he could have got revenge. That was kind of cool. So, yeah. So, we, I mean, again, we got this week with Vandy and Ole Miss. And then the week, I'm just looking ahead, the week after that, Alabama at home Wednesday at Gainesville Saturday. So, buckle up. Yeah. And then South Carolina after that. Mm. I wasn't even sure if we played South Carolina. I guess we played them once, and it's home or away? It's at home. Oh, that's good at least. It'll still be tough, though. All right. Any other around the SEC? Not that I could think of other than, uh, you know, appreciate basketball season. It'll be here before it's over. Um, Enjoy the games, and everybody in the SEC could come together and hate Kentucky. Amen. We can all agree on that. (laughs) I saw (laughs) – I saw um, the Kentucky coach, whose name always Cal Perry. Cal Perry, Coach Cal. I saw him coming into the game on Saturday, and the guard had a dog, and he went over, and I'm like, "Bite him! Bite him! Come on!" I just wanted to, I just wanted to see the dog take a nice chunk out of Coach Cal. That's all. Is that so wrong? I don't think so. I don't, I, man. I don't think so. So, and, and give him rabies that he can then give to Barbie. Oh. Did you see? What happened in the Texas BYU game? No. Again, I'm bringing this up because they're now you know, soon to be our SEC brethren, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to say this: Texas fans and officials are soft, soft, soft. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. They can't handle other teams doing the horns down thing oh, to them, Please. and BYU BYU students were wearing T-shirts that said it said horns down spelled out. And they literally complained and got the AD to go up there and make them change the shirts. What? What? Well, they're about to enter a conference where we have freaking cowbells legal. I was going to say, Mike. Good luck. 
you're going to have nine-year-old girls cussing you at Baton Rouge. You wow. better prepare yourself. You're Dr- too soft. To- drunk nine-year-old <laughs> girls. <laughs> Dog cussing you in Baton Rouge. some Mormon kids who can't even drink caffeine wearing wow. T-shirts to spell horns down. You're in oh. trouble, Ben. Oh, I you love like, it. You have no concept how rough you're going to have next year. John is bringing it. John is bring, bringing. This is true. It is true. It is true. How is Texas going to make out in the SEC with that? Someone knows. God knows. That's exactly it. All right. I'm ready to wrap things up. And um, we're going to enjoy the basketball this week and hopefully have two wins to talk about rather than two Amen. losses next time. That'll be good. All right. I think our time is up. We thank you for yours. Where are you, John? Where are you, man? Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.